I kind of saw a side to Vietnam which I'd never seen before. This is it. This is what I was looking for when I came to Vietnam. Rice paddies and beautiful mountains, thousand-star hotel, million-star hotel. Yeah. such a big up and coming area. I know you're a really knowledgeable guy. If you can maybe open up with a little bit of history about uh, Phong Nha, I'd really appreciate it. Phong Nha, it's, uh, many people haven't heard about it, or if they have, it's just about the caves. Phong Nha has a unique history amongst many Vietnam tourism destinations. Mm. People are catching on to this and they're starting to visit in a few more numbers. If you were to come to Vietnam 20 years ago, you would have gone to Hanoi, you would have gone to Saigon, you would have gone to Nachang, you would have gone to Hoi An, you would have gone to Hue, yeah. you would have gone to Halong Bay, you would have gone to Sapa, you know, you, all the main tourist spots, okay? Yeah. And, and Vietnam's now had its borders open since 1990, so many of these areas have had a lot of tourist influence yeah. and Western influence over the last 30 years. That's a, a, a long period of time now. Yeah. You go back 10 years to Phong Nha and they weren't even using money, <laughs> yeah. okay, in Phong Nha. I mean, it, there wasn't electricity in Phong Nha 10 yeah. years ago. Yeah. It all stems from a road. I know it sounds really boring. They built the Ho Chi Minh Highway, this incredible, one of the biggest feats of engineering done throughout the world, actually. And it's one highway that runs all the way from Saigon to Hanoi, huh. or vice versa, whatever. Yep. Upon completion of this highway, it made Phong Nha much, much more accessible. Mm. Before, to get to the nearest city would take six hours. The nearest city was only 40 kilometers away. Yeah. It's where the airport is. It's where the bus station was. So yeah. before this road was built, it was a six-hour journey to the nearest airport. Mm. Now it's a 40-minute journey to the nearest airport. <laughs> now, for the first few years, it was just Vietnamese tourists. Yeah. And there was only one or two caves open. Yep. There was only one cave open, Phong Nha, about, you know. Since then, many more caves have opened. And, and word is getting out now that not only is this place relatively untouched. Yep. You know, I remember arriving four or five years ago and, you know, the Vietnamese would look at me like I was from another planet. Yeah. Their first TV came into the village six or seven years ago, you know. So yeah. us foreigners we were quite unusual for these local Vietnamese whereas if you come to Hanoi they've been seeing us foreigners for 30 years now it's very different and they're very welcoming I kind of saw a side to Vietnam which I've never seen before yeah and it was a really warm welcoming side it was a side of Vietnam the, the sort of people that invite you into their house even though they're very very poor rice farmers yeah they will still invite you into their house for a meal yeah. And what little they have, they will share with you. I used to get asked to marry people's daughters all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this was a clear sign of real, you know, rural Vietnam. Yeah. And four or five years ago, it was still quite difficult. There were no buses from Hanoi. There yep. were no buses to or from Hue. Yeah. Now, it's a really good time to go because it's opening up, yeah. really opening up. I think I would still consider it a pretty off-the-beaten-track oh. destination. If you think that 7 million people a year go to Hoi An and about 70,000 people a year go to Phong Nha, you know, that's, yeah. that's not a lot of people. Not really. Not really. Not when you consider mass tourism in Vietnam. Right. When I arrived, it was 30 people a day. Yeah. 
so we've gone up to a couple of hundred people a day now. But then again, it's just so much more to do now than it was a few years ago. So it's people used to come for a couple of days, and now they come for for four or five days. Well, from what I understand, like this is one of the fastest growing areas of, of Vietnam tourism, and with pretty good reason, right? Obviously, the big attraction is the caves. Yeah. But this is part of a really large national park. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's Phong Nha Ke Bang. It's yep. a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Mm. It's got its UNESCO badge yep. because of the um, limestone mountains. We have the purest limestone mountains. Mm-hmm. 99.93% pure calcium carbonate purity or something along those lines. Yeah. But that means we have big caves. Yeah. Right? In fact, what many people know is that UNESCO almost gave us a badge also for the amount of biodiversity in the park really? as well. So Phong Nha has 45% of all the biodiversity in Vietnam wow. you can find in that one park. So what are we talking here? Because, yeah, when I think national park, I think sort of like large animals roaming. Or I don't know, but in my experience in Vietnam, that stuff typically gets eaten. If you go onto Wikipedia, or true, true, but if you go onto Wikipedia, they do say we have elephants. Yes. Oh, I've never seen an elephant. Yeah. In all my time, okay. no one. I've never met anyone who has seen an elephant. So. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but uh, oh, bears, antelopes. Yeah. There's ten species of monkeys. Wow. There's hundreds of species of butterflies, insects, yeah. snakes. Of course, what would a jungle be without snakes? Mm. Spiders. What do I have a chance to see there? Most people see monkeys. Yep. At one point, if they if they spend two or three days. Yep. And they actually go into the park and spend some time and they go in at the right time of day the best time to see them is in the morning and the evening yep. if you're keen to see monkeys we know some pretty good spots in the park how much sort of self-exploration can I do here from what I understand it was one of the most heavily bombed areas of the war I just told you a few minutes ago that there was nothing there 10 years ago yes but the area was actually bombed every single day for 10 years yeah okay not only from the air but from the sea war is a difficult thing to talk about I once asked a local person what the area looked like during the war, and they said it looked like the surface of the moon. Wow. You know, it was literally bomb craters. And the reason why it was bombed so heavily was because of the Ho Chi Minh Trail mm. and Highway 20, which were the two most important supply routes for the Vietnamese. Yes. And they passed through the area. So 50 years ago, of course, before tourism, when all this was going on, yep. uh, they trained the North Vietnamese troops up there. Yeah. They moved a lot of resources through the area. Yeah. And it was a prime target for the Americans to focus a lot of their bombs and their weaponry. Mm. And of all the bombs that were dropped, yep. around 20% never went off. Which sounds like an awful lot of bombs. <laughs> They, I, 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 we work very closely with MAG, the yeah. Mines Advisory Group, who are an incredible organisation actually, clear the bombs yeah. and the ordnance. And they say there's still to this day around 30 kilos of bombs per square metre of land, on average. Wow. So you're right. They don't really suggest you go wandering off. A lot of the bombs were, were cleared by the local people. I mean, wherever you see farmland... Yeah the bombs have already been, been cleared. Right. Quite funny was that what they'd do is the local people would take any bomb that didn't go off, they'd yeah. take the gunpowder out yeah. and they'd sell that to the fishermen or the quarrymen. Okay. Yeah. Or the Vietnamese would use it themselves during the war to put in their bombs, yeah. you know? So they would use it themselves and then the the actual shell casing yeah. after the war would actually sell to Japan. 
Japan would make cars out of his shell casing, yeah. recycled metal, yeah. and they'd sell the cars to America. Oh my God. So Americans would drop the bombs, the Vietnamese would sell the metal to Japan, Japan would make cars and sell the cars back to America. So just a lot of bombs. A lot of bombs. A I lot think of bombs, yeah. A lot of people really underestimate just how much metal was dropped on Vietnam. I know. And so I guess like as a tourist in Phong Nguyen now, the effect is... What, be a little bit careful, be with a guide in general. Hey, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's 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 not, it sounds probably a lot worse than yeah. it is now. Yeah. A lot of these bombs are dud, and, and to be honest, it's not like you're seeing bombs you don't sticking, hear it. <laughs> sticking out of the ground anywhere yeah. you look. I mean, yeah. most of these bombs are in the more inhospitable areas or yeah. mountainsides and deep in the jungle. And, so unless and I'm seriously like, trekking off yeah, the track. Yeah, it's, it's not, but they they are still very wary about you going in. And my advice to anybody that wants to do some trekking, do a guided tour. That's, that's not just because of the bomb, it's yep. also because the jungle is one of the most inhospitable places I have ever been. Yeah. I once spent two days tracking some monkeys that had been, <laughs> had GPS trackers put Oh, cool, in them. that sounds awesome. And oh, it was terrible. It was <laughs> two of the worst days of my life. The, the, the cast mountains are steep. Yeah. The rocks are sharp. Yeah. The jungle is thick, and, yeah. and there's poison ivy, and yeah. there's snakes, and it's hot. It sounds romantic yeah. to go deep into the jungle, but yeah. I can assure you that most people who have to go into jungle <laughs> would rather not. You yeah. know, it's a pretty harsh place. Okay. I know a lot of the British cavers, and pretty much every time they go out into the jungle, they bring someone back on a stretcher. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Are they? And people fall and they cut themselves. Yep. The rocks are so hard. Yeah. Or they go to a water place where there was water last time and mm-hmm. there's no water this time. Mm-hmm. So you start running out of water and they have to try and track. And they come out of the jungle with dehydration. They mm-hmm. All the organized tours are pretty well set, don't worry. But yeah. for those of you that just don't wander off into the jungle. So maybe know, that's a little bit of a better option. Yeah, <laughs> I would stick to, the, yeah. stick to the people that know what they're doing. Let's talk about those caves then. I mean, that's obviously the big attraction. Yes, The absolutely. big one. Hang Song Long. Song Long, yep. Yeah. Yep. World's biggest cave. By volume. Yeah. There's longer caves, there's taller caves, but generally by volume it is the biggest cave. This is, you know, out of most people's price range. I mean I still think it's probably a relatively good deal for what you get, but yeah, three thousand dollars, limited to five hundred people a year. But, you know, when I first heard of Fom Yuar, that was why. Yeah, you know, it's probably my fault I didn't do a little bit more research, but I kind of thought that was the thing and, and that was gonna price me out. What do you get for that experience? Who would be interested in that? Oh, I mean, anybody that yeah. uh, that is probably a professional and wants to do something truly memorable, something that they'll take to their grave with them, you know, yeah. a memory which will stand out forever. Yes, it right. is $3,000, yep. but how much does it cost to climb Everest? Yep. Or, or it's, a, it's you're talking five to tens of thousands of dollars for some expeditions. Right. You go in a group of eight paying guests, mm-hmm. but you have... For every paying guest, there's four other crew members, mm-hmm. whether it's the porters, the guides, the safety experts, the chefs. You know, it's around 30-odd people go into the cave with the eight paying guests. All the uh, guides and technical experts, they're fantastic with uh, photography. Yeah. They'll set up photographs for you and help you show, show you to the best places that right. you can really come out with some amazing shots. I've never met anybody that's done it and not come out and just gone, wow. Yeah. You know, we had one of the only permanent writers from right. National Geographic yeah. come along. 
and he'd spent 15 years writing articles for Nat Geo mm. and he did it and he came out saying it was the best thing he's ever done in, in 15 years of writing for Nat Geo yeah it's 3,000 bucks that's about 2,000 pounds you know? yeah I mean it's a week how yeah, but that includes your accommodation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're in the cave for yeah. four nights. Yeah, yeah, that includes all your food. Yeah, and in, you know it, it, it's it's not that bad. No, not it's really, really not that much. Money. The cave has its own cloud system. Yeah, it has its own yeah, ecosystem. Yeah, you're never going to see anything like it. But yeah, I don't actually. I don't actually. I mean, I I don't. It's normally booked up a year in advance. Yeah, I don't sell. I can sell Hang Soon Dong, but I don't yep. sell it because it's already booked up. It's already done, yeah. Right? So people, it's made Fong Yao famous, but yeah. now what is expanding that popularity of travellers yeah. is all the other caves. Right, well, I want to talk about some of those other caves. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. I don't quite have $3,000 no, ready for Neither do I, unfortunately. <laughs> but I, to, I would love to replicate something kind of similar. You know, like what, like... I mean, there are lots of other caves, right? There's, yeah, there are. There are. Um, there, there are. There are some caves you can see yourself, and some caves you you, you have to do a guided tour. Yeah. The caves you can see yourself are, of course, the most popular tourist caves, mm-hmm. and you don't sleep overnight in them. You, you do day trips to yep. them, and you can either take a tour, or you can hire a scooter if you're a confident scooter driver, yep. and you can go and see. That's Fongnya Cave, Paradise Cave, the Dark Cave. Yes. You can see any two of those caves in one day. So if you go there for a couple of days in Fongnya, you can easily see all three of the most popular. And that's without doing a tour. Yeah. And if you want a strict budget, you could probably see all three of them for about fifty dollars. Yeah. All right. So that's that's a bit different to the three thousand dollars. Yep. But it's also a lot more touristy. And, and peak season, mm-hmm. like May time, May bank holiday, you can get ten thousand people in Paradise Cave. Wow. Now. But that's like two or three weekends a year when it's all the Vietnamese descend on the area yeah. and it's crazy. Other caves, ones that you hike to yes. and you actually sleep in the cave or there's one night tours, two night, three night or even four night tours. Right now talking my language. There's caves like the Hangen Cave, yeah. which is in the top 10 of biggest caves in the world. Cool. The Two Land Cave system, which is a, an amazing river system, which... You swim through the caves and you have underground waterfalls oh and you camp by a waterfall and you can you know it's just it's it's truly incredible that's two land that's probably my favorite right but i mean just last week traang cave opened and there's now a one night caving trip to traang cave it's a brand new cave i've just opened up to the public and so how much is this going to send me back like let's say i can't quite afford a hands-on dog but you know i want to do like you know one maybe two nights in a cave get a bit more of that adventurer feel you're looking at around 300 two between 250 and 300 us dollars for one night two day trip yep into a cave okay when you go up to two night mm-hmm. i believe you're looking at about seven and a half million seven million which is Dong, which is about three hundred dollars, yeah, three fifty dollars, yeah. and then I think the four nights two land, which is like is is oh, well, fourteen. Actually, you can still do four nights. Yeah, yeah you wow. still, but that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's an expedition. That's up to fourteen. That's fourteen million, which is about seven hundred to eight hundred. I mean, that's still that's cheap, man. That's I mean, that's well, compared especially to compared to yeah, yeah. Oh, in general, I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. my favorite tour is probably the two night two land. The I two love night. the one day hang in. Yeah, personally, my favorite is a two night three day two land but you have to book in advance because it's only it only runs twice a week and they there's like 12 people on it so yeah. 
it's it's we're talking remote here like yeah. we're talking you know well, you real can... exclusive tours you don't yeah once you leave on a tour you don't see anybody else you are in the jungle you feel so remote yeah. it's it's such a great feeling yeah that's amazing good. to really get away from phone signal and, and internet and and to really get somewhere where yeah. you you don't see anybody else it's quite rare in today's world it's definitely still off the bin track vietnam from you in general i mean these caves certainly are you sort of if i go i'm going to be the only ones there right like i'm not going to see other tourist groups or anything like that yeah if you do one of the more like over if you do one of the overnight treks yeah or if you do something like the one day abandoned valley trek there'll be eight or nine of you on the tour and that's it it's always you might see some local guys are actually yeah. in the jungle yeah. but, but that's kind of what you want to see isn't it right. so you do see other people but, but you, not tourists not tourists no. okay how developed is the, is the town getting what am I going to see there if you came three years ago or four years ago it was really difficult to get to it and there was nothing there yeah you know there still isn't there's no supermarket there yeah. for example uh, one of my business partners just a couple of years ago she started bringing in things like cheese now, you couldn't buy real cheese in Fongnya. So those of you that like your more creature comforts, you yeah. can now get a tin of baked beans if you really want a tin <laughs> of baked beans now. But, yeah. you know, it's like one place in town that does it. So it's, I do suggest to women that if they need any women toiletries, maybe, during their state, they bring them with them because mm. it, it could be very hard to find these sorts of things yeah but what's there now now you've got restaurants yep. you've got cafes yep. uh, good choice of vietnamese food and western food quite a few hostels yep. you've got a lot of more cheaper nyanis or, or, or vietnamese hotels you yep. know more in a 12 to 20 dollar range okay you've got a lot of um villas from 40 to 50 to 60 dollars per night right more for really nice rain showers you know you can get those sorts of things now in Fongnya okay and it's easy to get to yeah it's really easy to get to it now. yeah so it's a best of both it's still not busy yep you can have a little bit of luxury but still mm-hmm. nowhere for a hundred dollars a night kind yeah. of thing the most is about 50 or 60 yeah so the um, middle middle but maybe not the real high end yeah. yeah no no real high end there's bicycle rental a scooter yep. rental there's kayaks you can now do kayaking mm. So sort of like a small tourist town. Yeah, absolutely. One street, two streets. One street. Yeah. To one street yeah. town. Surrounded by Cast Mountains. Yep. It runs along the Son River. Yeah. Which has got a lot of history itself. Parts of the town are beautiful. But you don't come to Fongya for the town. No. You come to Fongya for the rice paddies, for the caves, for the jungle, for the local people. If you want to get away from the cities and you want to see a starry night and have no light pollution. Yeah. No, I mean, you've convinced me I'm, I'm, I'm booking some time. <laughs> so what other kind of gear do I need to bring? It's maybe fleshed out, but not completely fleshed out. ATMs, SIM cards. You can buy SIM cards there. Yeah. ATM, there's one ATM. Yeah. As long as there's power. Yes. Because <laughs> we do sometimes have power cuts. Right. You can get money out. But if, so I would, I would normally suggest you bring money with you. Bring it. Yeah. A bit of money. Um, Just in case. If you want to do any hiking, yep. well then definitely bring gear for, for the jungle. Rain gear. We're talking... Long sleeve pants, yep. long sleeve or trousers if yep. you're yeah, from England. Long sleeved uh, tops, yep. socks, hiking socks, shoes. Most tours supply shoes if you haven't got hiking supply shoes. shoes. Yeah, they, they, they give you um, Cambodian army boots, which are actually really good. Oh man, yeah, they're really cool. Yeah, but if you, if you like size 48, yeah. you know, you then, bring, then bring your own. If you're pretty average, then you'll probably be okay. 42, 44, maybe 46, maybe, but 
Yeah. If you're 46 or bigger, I'd probably bring your own shoes. Yeah. Um, insect repellent, mm -hmm. sunscreen, if it's the summer. You can't get that there. You can, but You can get sunscreen now, but I've yeah. never, ever seen insect repellent wow. for sale. So bring your deep. Bring your deet, indeed. No sort of outdoors gear shops. If I was sort of there is one. now, you know, there is oh, now okay. one outdoor. But it's you just can't. I just can't guarantee they're going to have what you want. Yeah, it's still very rustic. Pays to plan yeah. a little bit more in there, so maybe you would. So once I'm there, how do I get around? I mean, it sounds like these more off the beaten track caves. I'm going to have to trek out to, but the the close ones. I mean, from what you said, I can get a scooter. Can I take a taxi or? Um... There's no taxis. There's no taxi rack no in, in from the yard. No Uber. No. I'm guessing no. <laughs> isn't it great yeah. <laughs> there's no guy selling you sunglasses from a wooden board yeah. yet I'm sure he'll come soon yeah he's weeks away dude, uh, trust yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Fongnia if you want to get around Fongnia get a bicycle mm. right, cycle around give one of the lovely old guys down the road a dollar to, mm. to rent a bicycle for a day and mm -hmm. you know, make his day and, and that's the best way of getting around but it's to see the caves yeah. if you want to see the tourist caves the ones you can see yourself then you have to take a scooter. Really? Or you have to go on a tour. What if I'm a little bit older? What if I want a private car? Speak to your hotel. Yeah. There's no, certainly no taxis around, but yeah. some of like Fomnia Farm Stay or yeah. maybe some of the homestays, they can probably provide you a, a car. But expect to pay more. Yeah. Because there aren't many cars there. So the private cars that are in Fomnia, their job is normally to take people to and from Dong Hoi the nearest mm -hmm. city mm -hmm. to the airport or from the airport mm -hmm. to a train station or from the train station mm -hmm. if you want them to take you to Paradise Cave I mean to drive around the park is a 65 kilometer drive pretty serious right and the car has gone for yep. five or six hours you, it's, you got to, it's got to wait for you for two or three hours yeah it's not cheap it's a, you know it's a whole day's loss of earnings yeah. these people that normally do journeys backwards and forwards so they do it to charge quite a lot it's not like Hoi An or where there's so many cars that so if I'm a traveler I might want to be a little bit more familiar with motorbiking around or you know getting on a bicycle at least it, look if, if you're if you have a little bit more if you, your budget is not eight dollars a day yep. if you have a little bit more of a budget you can make it do happen. a tour yeah because you'll get so much information mm -hmm. and the, they're all taken by by local guys what you're doing is not only are you going to you, do you have an opportunity to learn about these people and to yep. relearn about the caves and the wildlife all the porters for example that yeah. carry your bags into Hangen or carry your bags into Tulan these were guys that used to hunt animals in yeah. the park yeah. these are guys that used to be the ones that would chop the trees down yeah. in the park yeah. by you doing a tour right. you're giving them a job yeah. right? and that stops them from going into the jungle yeah. and poaching yeah. Right. So if you've got a little bit more of a budget, support the local people. The tours can be quite expensive in Fongyar, but a lot of people don't realise that most of the tours only run for about nine or ten months of the year. Yeah. So for two or three months a year during the worst weather, mm -hmm. it can be quite dangerous to go into the jungle. So Flash floods, terrible weather. So what all the tour suppliers do is they pay their tour guides in nine months. Yeah. You know what they would earn if they did it over 12 months so yeah. therefore they can continue to support their families well what are we talking here well i mean you know the cave sounded actually very reasonable you, know, you mentioned some of those few valley treks and stuff like that yeah. what are those going to set you back 
Uh, let me see. The cheapest tour that we that that is on offer is one million three hundred thousand dollars. The cheapest. Che- that's the cheapest yep. one day tour. Yep. And that is actually even the national park tour. So that is a general mm. most popular tour we offer. That's this is an example of a tour that take you to the uh, Paradise Cave, take mm. you to the Dark Cave. Mm-hmm take you to Eight Lady Temple. Mm-hmm. It will drive you around. It includes your lunch. It includes uh, your water, maybe mm-hmm. a rum at the end of the day. Yep. It includes a tour guide who will tell you all about the war, about the park, about the animals, about the caves. It's a full day, kind of leave at 8.30 in the morning, get back at 5, 5.30 in the afternoon. Yeah. That's the cheapest tour. Most trekking tours start about one and a half million. They're one and a half to about two million for a day tour. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said before, you're up to, you're up to $250, $300 for two days, three days more. You know, you're kind of, but I find that they are, in many ways, better value for money. Because it's, it's mm. like two plus two is not always four. Two plus two is five in this case. Mm. It's not just the fact you get to go and see, say, one of the biggest caves in the world. Yeah. It's the fact that you have your, you sleep in the cave or you sleep under the star yeah. you know, a thousand star hotel a million star hotel yeah. you, you get to drink rice wine and, and with the porters and they might teach you local Vietnamese songs and, <laughs> you know like, like and you come away feeling like you've become part of the family yeah. and the food that they create from they might carry you might see a bag that's moving around a bit or, you know that's being carried and you get to the cave and suddenly a couple of chickens are pulled out oh just still alive of course you yeah. know but then they go and grab herbs and things from the jungle and they cook this chicken with you know you can you can you can kill the chicken if you want I mean you can if you, or you can get in a hammock and pretend it comes from Tesco's it's up to you or you can choose a vegetarian option yeah. my point is that you kind of really get involved. Yeah. You can step back and be looked after, mm. or you can get stuck in mm. right, and really get involved. And mm. that's what makes it a special place because mm. some people want to get involved, some people don't, you know? So the option's there for you. Yes. And, and I find the people who, the really adventurous people that come to Fongyar, I've known them be there for five days and they've yet to see a cave. Yeah. You know, they, they haven't even got round to seeing a cave yet. Yeah. They've literally, they've walked up rivers, they've gone, found private swimming spots in rivers, or they've gone to valleys that she recommend and met local people. And it's a real chance for you to see rural, traditional rural Vietnam. They still plough using buffaloes. They still, mm. you know, if you, if you turn up at certain times of year, there's normally something going on in the rice paddies. Mm. So that you can learn about how they grow rice and the food options. I mean, you know, we're we've got chickens in caves and, and rice paddies and stuff like that. You did you said we can eat both Western and things. Yeah, you can. I mean, I'm guessing that's in town in general. Oh yeah, you you're not gonna get a burger in in in, one, in the caves. Yeah, so you're gonna be eating local there. Um, yeah. but no, it's food. Food's getting much better, and most of what you have in town, like I run a business, I have a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I get all my food from the local market. Yeah. I'm 40 kilometers from the next bigger market. Yeah. And I'm 200 kilometers from the nearest supermarket. Yeah. So I, I haven't got a Lidl or a, or a New World or a Tesco's down the road. I have to get all my food. Apart from some of the stuff I do import, Yeah. I try and get by local. Yeah. But I, I would admit that my burgers, for example, I do mostly Western food. Mm-hmm. 
my burgers are really popular. Mm-hmm. But there are times that my guys will go to the market and the meat just isn't good at the market. Yeah. So my burgers aren't always great. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't got the food options that you have in Hoyan or Saigon yeah. or Hanoi or yeah. you can go on the road and buy New Zealand lamb in Saigon. You can yeah. go on the road and buy Scottish beef or you can't buy that there. So but again that's a great thing. I mean the mm-hmm. peanuts we add to our dishes mm-hmm. are grown locally. Mm-hmm. The pepper in our pepper grinders are, is grown locally. The the sweet corn is grown locally. It's really local food and, and prepared locally. So it sounds like it's not it's not a food destination. No, it's not. But I can get, you know, comfortably more or less yeah, everything. Good I, local food and Western food if I really needed it. I look I, I prefer I love the street food in Hanoi. Yep. I love the restaurants in Saigon. Mm-hmm. I love the food in, in, in Hoi An. Mm-hmm. Like I, I find all different areas. I love food in Quang Tri. Mm-hmm. Like in, I've had some of my favorite food in Hue and Dong Ha mm-hmm. and places. No, Phong Nha, because it was cut off from the rest of the world, is, you know, up till fairly recently. Yeah. It's politely you know, lagging behind in, in culinary expression, yeah. should you say. Like, yeah. There was a big famine in the 90s. Right. You know, these local rice farmers and fishermen they literally fed them they, they grew things to keep themselves alive yeah, they did it was a practical food to them is still to this day yeah something you, you do it's not you know, it's something it, i see them eating s- snails i see them mm. like eating i've seen them eating frogs i've mm. seen them eating basically what they can get from the rice paddies mm-hmm. um, they go out there at night there's torches and you know you mm. can see these flashes of light in the rice paddies at night mm. and they're out there trying to catch frogs and things like that to eat mm. and snails and things to them it's a necessity yeah these are poor people yeah or have been up to fairly recently now how do I how do I go about getting there uh, what are my options depends where from if you're from either if you're in Hanoi or Saigon yep. it's really easy to fly there mm. it's a 50 minute or an hour from Hanoi and it's a I think it took me an hour and 10 minutes to fly down to Saigon wow right? so it really is quick Yep. And now the um, now Donghui Airport, which is our nearest airport, you you've now got Vietnam Airlines operating. You've got Jetstar, and I think you have AirAsia. I mm-hmm. think so you know got three airline operators flying in. Mm-hmm. So I think I flew down for thirty dollars, including taxes. Wow! I mean, it, we don't get many expats come to Phonyar from Saigon or Hanoi. And yeah, it's strange, isn't it? It's it's it's, it's quite sad actually because yeah. it's so cheap for you guys to get there you yeah. come up for a long weekend yeah. see some amazing caves and yeah. or you can book one of these two or three night tours two months in advance mm. and then book your tickets in advance and just fly up for it yep. anyway I digress yep. so it's really easy from the cities yes. now from for the main cities Hanoi and Saigon from yeah. Huey your only option is bus or train or you couldn't can take a private car you can train you can train you can train from Huey to Dong Hoi uh-huh. and then get a, a, a taxi from Dong Hoi out to out to Phong Nha. and time wise and cost wise or uh, buses and trains okay so for, from Huey for example a train or bus is about 150,000 dong yeah but a taxi to drive you the 40 kilometers yeah you're looking at about twenty dollars, around four hundred thousand. I'm always gonna have to pay that taxi, right? Like for there is a local one. There is a local bus, yeah. but it takes ninety minutes. Yeah. That'll only cost you thirty five thousand dong. 
but right. it's very very windy local, bus. local bus. So if I say if, if, can they people arrange uh, like an airport transfer or anything like that yet? Or most. Or? I mean, yep. if you're staying at one of the more nicer places, they'll arrange a, a car for you, no problem. They'll yep. send you the price. Yep. You tell them a the time, easy. Yep. Like it, some of the cheaper Vietnamese run hotels their English isn't so good yeah, gotcha. you're probably better off getting to the train station or getting to the airport and jumping a taxi you know the plane isn't if you book a little bit in advance it might not cost you all that much different no yeah no, I, I, I find the bus is the best way really from Hoi the yeah. bus if you come in from Hoi An yes take the train uh-huh. but from Hoi take the bus yeah in fact you can do something like the DMZ bus transfer there's a transfer from Hoi to Phong Nha which takes in the Vin Mok Tunnels, which mm-hmm. takes in the Ben Hai River Museum. Mm-hmm. You know, you leave at seven in the morning and get there, at, get to Phong at two in the afternoon. Yep. You actually see some things along the way and there are various ways of, of doing it. Yeah. If anybody wants more information, they should just probably email Phong Farmstay or Easy Tiger. And, you know, <laughs> we have certain responses. If you say I'm coming from Huey, yes. we'll send you the options of how to get from Huey. Yeah. If you're coming from Hoi An, we'll send you the options on how to get from Hoi An. Yeah. But that's it. Most people come from either Hanoi, when they come from the south, they come from the north. Yeah. So most people come from Hoi An or come from Hanoi. Finally, the last thing I think about it, you know, you were mentioning it's a little bit seasonal. I imagine the weather's pretty extreme if we're only going there for, for nine odd months. How real is this? Is this an all year uh, tourist destination or, or how does it work? If you don't mind the cold, then it's an all year travel destination. Mm-hmm. In October, late September, October and early November, we can have some hurricanes. It is our storm season. Yeah. It is also our flood season. But you know, I haven't seen a flood for two years. Okay. Last October was fine. There wasn't one day when people couldn't get in or get out. So yeah. I don't want to put people off from coming in October. Right. But if you're coming around that time, mm-hmm. I will just email or contact us a week or two bef- a week before and say, "Hey guys, what's what's the situation there? Yeah. Can I get in? Can yeah. I get there? Have you yeah. had?" People are amazed at how cold it gets. If you come November, December time, yeah. between November and March, it can be exceptionally cold. Oh, really, really cold. People are always shocked. They think that Vietnam's a hot, tropical country. <laughs> yeah, we. But, you know, it snows in Sapa. I mean, this yeah. January, it snowed in Hanoi. You yeah. know, and that's, if you arrive with just T-shirts and shorts, yeah. and, and the problem, what, what, what makes it kind of a bit more extreme where we are is the humidity it's still very humid mm-hmm. so even though it, it feels I to me personally I'm from England it's, mm-hmm. gets down, it's got down to minus 10 where I live in England yeah. but there have been days and because it's such a wet atmosphere yeah. I have felt colder yeah. than when it's clear crisp blue sky minus 5 kind of dry cold mm-hmm. it's only it might get down to 4 or 5 where we are but mm. it feels so much colder so but we like fires. Yeah. Like it, you get people sit around fires and yeah. they they chat into the night yeah. and they, you know, and the caves are a lot quieter. And, yeah. And you can, you know, as soon as you start hiking, mm-hmm. you get warm. Yeah. You know, I, I, it can get forty five degrees in June, May and June. So yeah. you've got the opposite. I would rather hike in nine or ten degrees mm. than hike in forty five degrees. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's, everyone's different. Yeah. You can pretty much, summertime, uh, March through to September, mm-hmm. you're looking at great weather, maybe some afternoon rain, but... That's high season? Yeah. 
yeah, you're looking, you've got swimming pools at a couple of our properties, mm -hmm. so you can, yeah, swimming pool weather, nice. people hang around the pool. During the winter, people hang around the fires. So it's, it's, it's great. People love both. And I, you know, I've heard if, I'm, if I want to do caving, if I want to do some of those overnight caves, you know, that's only going to be available maybe not during the rainy season, I imagine. I got confirmed, being in Saigon now, and yeah. I, I'm kind of out of the loop, but yeah. I, I received a, an email yesterday saying because of the weather the last two years, mm -hmm. a lot of the overnight chores, mm -hmm. they will basically continue. Normally, they, 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 they plan everything to shut down the first week of October. Wow. But this year, they're going to just see how it goes. Wow, interesting. Right? And if it's weather stays good, yeah. we'll keep running the tours. But... So if anybody's thinking about coming, uh, you know, between middle of September or and middle of November, middle of December, I would email ahead. And 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 if I'm planning, you know, a year or so advance, though, you know, and I, for sure, you know, I want to know, I, I want to know for sure, I'm going to be able to do a okay, book before October, maybe. Something. If you were <laughs> going to do a two or three night tour, yeah, you you might not be able to book this far in advance. Oh, for really? October because right. the tour booking company might not want to take your booking. Yeah. Because it might be yeah underwater or yeah. whatever. So yeah, like I said, maybe if you're coming around that time, email us a week before. Yeah. If if it's around that time, there yeah. will be availability on tours. Yeah. You know, numbers have dropped off heavily in the last week. Yeah. Peak season's over, and outside yeah. of peak season, yeah. there's normally spaces on these these tours. Yeah, it's not that busy. I mean, you're a pretty experienced guy in Vietnam in general. Make the make the case for me including this in my itinerary. You know, obviously as an expat, I'm 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 super eager to get up there. But you know, if I'm a guy, I've got what your standard two three weeks in Vietnam. Yeah. You know, how do I make time for from from you right now? I'm not sure it's on everyone's itinerary. I, I get a lot of people ask a lot of friends from home. I'm coming to Vietnam for yeah. two or three weeks. What do I do? Yeah. Help me. Where should I go? <laughs> And I normally kind of, I, to me, I see Vietnam as being areas which have got successful or, or, or popular for certain reasons. So, yep. for example, you go to Halong Bay or, or, or my favourite, Bai Too Long, because of the beauty, the, 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 the cast mountains over the water, the spending a night or two on a boat or on an island, and yep. the, uh, the kayaking amongst the, the, the mountains. That's, mm. you know, I would suggest you do three, two, or, two or three nights in Bai Too Long. Yeah, for sure. I would generally suggest you do a city, mm -hmm. either Hanoi or Saigon. You don't really need to spend four days in Hanoi and four days in Saigon. Yeah. But it's, I normally suggest you choose one or the other, but this is me. Yeah. I love Hoi An. Hoi yeah. An, to me, I would spend four or five nights in Hoi An. Yeah, the food, the massage, the, yeah. the beautiful old town. It's yeah. wonderful. Phong Nha, see, I would spend three or four nights at least mm -hmm. to give yourself truly time to explore the area yeah. and maybe a day of cycling around, you know, it's, it's fantastic. People yeah. really, they come back from Dev just cycling and they haven't bought an expensive tour. They, they come back and they tell me what a, one of the best days traveling they've had yeah. was just taking a, a bicycle out yeah. for the day. I say to people, but a lot of people, when, when they're sitting, I remember you're sitting in England or you're sitting in Germany or you're sitting in America or Australia, yeah. maybe you're listening to this podcast, you've <laughs> just, you just booked your flights to Vietnam, yeah. you've never been to Asia, or, yeah. and you're, you're imagining what Vietnam's going to be like. And I'm assuming you're imagining rice paddies yeah. and people in pointy conical hats sure, and, sure. and amazing food and mountains and... Yeah. Do you know what? It's really hard to find rice paddies and beautiful mountains and, mm. and, and traditional 
that traditional Vietnamese way of life yeah. in Vietnam. Yeah. So people arrive in Phong Nha and they go, this is it. This is what I was looking for when I came to Vietnam. Yeah. This is what I was imagining when I was laying in bed, yeah. wondering what Vietnam was going to be like. Yeah. Right? So that's my selling point for Vietnam, for, for Phong Nha, sorry. It yeah. is, it's one of the few opportunities to easily see a traditional way of life. I mean, you can go get up to Ha Giang, amazing place, I love Ha Giang. But to get there is a, is a trip. It's pretty difficult to get there. Yeah, know? getting easier. Sapa. I love Sapa. As long as you go there and you do a three or four night hiking trip yeah. out of Sapa, the town of Sapa, the town of Sapa itself. Rather touristy. Is yeah. not an, I don't like it. Yeah. But you get out of there. Yeah. I, people who tell me they want to go to Sapa and I go, how long for? Mm. Two nights. I say, don't go. Mm you can't get far enough out mm. to really see the best part of Sapa. I always tell people to go and see my my Cho instead. Mm. I love my Cho. You know, if you've only got two or three nights, go to my Cho. You know, and yeah. you want to kind of see that kind of area, yeah. go there instead. You know, it's Phong Nha is your bit of scenery and your bit of caving and trekking. Yeah. Right? Uh, it's a bit more adventurous. Hoi An is your food and your massage, yeah. you know. Saigon or or Phu Kok is your beach. So there's a great yeah. beach at, at, at Hoi An, uh, as well. Hoi An actually. Yeah. But but if you really want kind of almost Bangkok, almost Thailand kind of temperatures and clear blue waters and that kind of feel, mm. Phu Kok is spend four nights there. And I've planned journeys that you know it's four nights beach, four nights trekking, four nights city, four nights food and relaxation and. And suddenly you've got an awesome two or three week yeah, vacation, sure. which has a bit of everything involved. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think to be honest, quite honest, it's going to be creeping up just about everyone's itinerary. Real quick. I, I would but, hope so. You know, I think Formula is going to be, you know, option number three very quickly. Actually, yeah, well, yeah, I hope, I hope so, but not too quickly. I hope. Hopefully, it's manageable. <laughs> so, Mike, <laughs> yeah, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for being on the first podcast. Oh, if people want more information, but want to hit you up. If you want information, yep. feel free to, to email us um, either at Fongya Farmstay, which is more the boutique uh, hotel, mm-hmm. or if you're staying in town or you're more on a more budget, uh, more of a budget conscious traveller, mm-hmm. Easy Tiger Hostel. Yeah. Google Fongya Farmstay or Google Easy Tiger and you'll, you'll find us. Yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll get links to our website. Yeah, for sure. Like that. And just drop us a line. We're very happy to help. There you have it, guys. Phom Nha, home to some of the most beautiful and largest caves on earth. When you're in Vietnam, do not miss it. This podcast was brought to you by Christina's Social Accommodation. Find us on Airbnb. Give us a shout when you're in town. Thanks for listening.